All right, JB, thank you very much. Have a good weekend, my brother. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. One thing is clear as we come to the end of the week, and here it is. What changed this week? Why did his tone change? There has been no change. He hasn't changed his tone. Now, she's trying to get you to think that the president has always said wear masks. The president has always said the pandemic was real and going to get worse. That part's not true. But she is right about tone. The president's tone hasn't changed. He is still tone deaf to this crisis. A million cases in two weeks. Turnaround times on test results. I don't need to tell you, but it's true what you know yourself. The results are getting longer and longer over a week, even longer in too many places. This president offers no plan to increase our ability to test and trace. He says he wants schools to reopen in a week in some places and offers no plan to help them do it and to help them keep schools open, right? Opening them is easy. Keeping them open will be hard. How do we keep our kids safe? How do we keep the teachers safe? Nothing. That's tone deaf. His White House is right. Schools are like essential places of business. So why don't they treat them that way? Make a plan. Hashtag, where is the plan? States are asking for help all over the country. You hear them on this show. They're getting none. Why? He has waited so long to act that now more than 150 prominent health experts are saying it's too late. They don't think we should be open in any way right now. 150 of them say we need to shut down again and start over as the only way to get us back. And yes, I will argue against that, against one of the big minds who is signing onto it, a key co-signer that is about an open letter to America's decision makers about what they need to do and why. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, a former Obama White House policy, health policy advisor, joins us on primetime. Good to see you, my friend. Nice to be back, Chris. So first, Doc, present the case. Why do you and so many others believe that we need to take a step back? What does that mean and why? Well, we reached a peak uh, in April. We were coming down and then we had this rush to open up. We plateaued and now we're up even higher than we were in April. Conversely, Canada, Germany, lots of other countries uh, have been able to come down to zero because they had a uniform national program. They executed, they waited till the numbers came down very, very low before opening up and they opened up in stages. That's what we need to do. We really need to have everyone doing it because if we separate out by states, some states open, some states close down, some states wear masks, other states don't, people travel and they're going to carry the virus. And so we need to have a uniform plan. It'll be painful. We acknowledge that. But in six or eight weeks, we will have our numbers way down and then we can open up and suppress rather than have the situation now where we have 70,000 cases a day, uh, almost 1,000 deaths a day. Uh, that is untenable. All right. Um, the response is no way on three different levels. Let's go through them. First, no way because too many states have done it kind of the right way. New York, states in New England, states on the uh, Pacific Northwest, and they have cases in a place where they're able to do phased reopenings. Things are going well. They don't want to take a step back. What do you say to states like that? I think Florida 
said that same thing. We don't have any cases here early on in March and April. We're not seeing the problems in the hospitals. And what was my response then? Just wait. And what will the response be uh, to, New to New York? Yeah, there are people in Florida who are going to come back to New York. There are people in Texas who are going to come back to New York, and you're going to have an outbreak. Do need to be serious. Now, I want to say something, Chris. We have learned something since March and April, and that is you can be in the house. You can go outside. You can walk. You've got a face mask on. You're going to stay six feet away. It's different than having dining inside restaurants, dining inside bars, gyms, and other things where the activity is, you know, inside crowds for a prolonged period of time. We do know that we can actually have people uh, have a more balanced life while they're actually keeping separate and we're not having uh, all these businesses open. Okay, the second no way is welcome to America, Dr. Zeke. Uh, these people don't want to do this. They're railing against masks. They're fighting in all these different places. I would argue uh, somewhat egged on by this president until this week. And he certainly hasn't called out any of, he, any of his followers for behaving that way. So America won't do it. What do you say to that? Uh, <laughs> we do have a problem. And the problem has been, as you point out, leadership and consistency in message and consistency and guidance to people about what they need to do. And I do think if the president got behind this and he did get all of the governors behind this, I think you would have a very different tone because people wouldn't get a blessing. Remember, the president was the one who tweeted, you know, liberate Michigan, liberate uh, yeah. uh, Minnesota. Toxic. And that caused a lot. That caused a lot of the problems. Yeah, here. absolutely. Toxic, completely toxic, right. even until this week. And now the third reason is, of course, Trump. As you well know, with your contacts, um, the task force, the CDC, NIH, they want to do more. HHS, they want to offer guidelines. They want to have nationwide standards. They want to have more control. The president is against it, clearly. And on that score, how big a deal is it that he's saying open schools, but they offer no uniform guidelines on how to do it, money for resources, money for staff and PPE, et cetera. And same on nationwide testing, that we have so much great testing, but the wait times are going up and the accuracy. How important is a nationwide strategy and set of guidelines? Oh, it's absolutely vital. And I think you're totally right. We've been lacking that. Um, if you read actually the CDC guidance on opening schools, it's 12 pages, two of which are uh, uh, footnotes. Uh, the first uh, two thirds of it are justifications for why we should open school. And then the meat of it, basically four pages, is really more of a checklist. It doesn't consider opening schools in details and all the questions, you know, from transport to school, to classroom, to lunch, to physical, uh, to gym and recess and athletics. Um, it doesn't go through all of that and how to protect people. Um, the main contribution is keep people in, in pods or, or right. uh, groups. I'm but shocked. That's not, it's not guidance. It's I'm not shocked guidance. by not having better ideas. Everybody says the same thing in schools, and I know they come to you for guidance, and you're hearing this as well. We need square footage. But nobody's talking about all the unused public spaces, the libraries, the churches, you know, all the, you know, the, the, the buildings that aren't being used right now where there's no work that could be rented and create commerce and opportunity for schools. You know, you know this, Zeke, but uh, for you watching the show, you know, if you go back into America's history, we've dealt with schooling in pandemics before. 
in big areas of infection. They did it outside. We adjusted to this before. We're not adjusting to it now. And it's so sad. Vaccines. Here is my concern with vaccines, Zeke. I want your take. Fauci says that we're going to have one sooner than later, that it's going well. I don't think people are going to want to take it. I think that it's going to say it's not safe. I don't like vaccines anyway. We don't know that it really works. I'm not going to take it. How do you deal with that? Well, you have to deal that with that like everything else. You need leadership and you need a consistent message. Uh, the first thing that has to happen is the president has to take it himself. You know, when we did started polio, one of the things they did is they got Elvis to take it on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, that's the kind of thing you need it. You need to have happen here. You need celebrities and others to march up and be among the first to take it and to broadcast it uh, widely. And I think you know, that is going to be absolutely necessary. Polling does suggest that 60 or 70 percent of Americans now are beginning to understand that they want the vaccine. But it is an uphill battle. You know, only 45 percent of Americans actually get the flu shot every year. If we could uh, of adults, not Americans, adults, if we could get that up to 70 or 80 percent, it would make a dramatic difference. And that's what we've got to aim for. Uh, but Z- the- yes, sir. Last point to you. Yeah. One of the other things is having a vaccine and actually being able to produce it, put it into sterile vials, get it out there and get it in people's arms. That's a massive effort. And I have no assurance the president and his team are going to be able to do that. Well, it won't be the president, luckily. Uh, It'll be the guys at BARDA and the pros and the experts and the A-team on Warp Speed. You know, you know some of those people. I know some of those people. They are the best in the business. Hopefully, they'll get it done. uh, And there's as little interface with the White House uh, as possible. Zeke, uh, let me put you on the spot. Uh, Doc, when we get closer to when schools start to open, I'd love to have you back on in a week or so. And just so you can go through the here's what they're doing and not doing. And here's what this will likely mean in a number of weeks, you know, or maybe a month or so from now. It would really help our audience understand what we're getting our kids into. OK. All right. I appreciate Great. it, Doc. God Thanks bless for and be well. Me. Oh, thank you. Always a plus. Always a plus. Oh, and by the way, Zeke's got a new book. It's called Which Country Has the World's Best Health Care? It's a question. He answers it for you in the book. Dr. Zeke Emanuel on sale now. All right. The crisis within the crisis is being felt all across this country right now. And you know what I'm talking about. Parents, what do we do if our kids don't go back to school? What are the country? What are our consequences? How do we deal with it if they do go back to school and in this kind of fugazi way? It's weighing heavily on our minds, right? We have a mom of two kids in elementary school in Georgia tonight, one of the key states. Now, she is pushing for at least a partial reopening. She heard what Zeke said. Why? And she knows what's happening in her county. She knows cases are on the climb. Her case, though, about her situation. Next. Georgia is in rough shape. They hit a new record for cases, of course, coronavirus cases, close to 5,000 today. The state now has more than 160,000 victims in all, more than 3,000 deaths. Yet families in one of Georgia's hardest hit counties are fighting their school district's decision not to offer in-person classes starting next month. Take a look. Okay, that's our future, they're saying. You can see a group of students storming the district offices 
Plenty of parents are protesting as well. Gwinnett County school officials originally planned to partially reopen. They reversed the move days ago because of rising cases and teacher opposition. Now, one of the parents involved is Kelly Williard. Uh, she is one of the parents who actually organized the protest, and she joins us now. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Chris. Now, I want to make clear to people what this isn't about, and then we'll talk about what it is about. You are not a rabid Trumper who is just supporting the president by fighting any decision to keep schools closed. Is that correct? Yes, this actually has nothing to do with being a Republican, a Democrat, or even an independent. This is an issue about our children getting back into school safely and what we can do about that and the choices that we have as parents out there right now. And uh, or the lack of choices that you have as parents. Yeah, well, very, I just wanted well to make said. it clear. I want people to have an open mind about how hard this is going to be for families. I, I feel you on this personally. I feel it. Yeah. And I just didn't want people to dismiss you out of hand um, by saying, oh, she's just a Trump follower. She's against masks. She's against everything. It's not true. OK, that's not what this is. So your argument is we need options because if the kids aren't in school, it's bad for the kids, but also it's almost unmanageable for people if they're able to get back to work. Because unless you're working from home, you're not going to be at home. And if your kids aren't in high school, or even if they are, you're not going to have the money to have somebody watching them while you're at work. And you don't like it for them and you don't like it for you. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. And, and I will just state that uh, this, again, has nothing to do with being a Trump supporter. I'm actually an independent myself. Um, we have parents of, you know, representing the Democratic Party, Republican Party, Independent Party. At the end of the day, we're all just parents and we all have a common goal of getting our kids back into school and getting our kids back in safely. And we've had, you know, public education in this country for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden, two weeks before school, you know, the rug's getting pulled out from underneath us all. And we're scrambling. All of us parents are scrambling on how to get our kids back in school, how to um, manage the fact that if we don't have, you know, face-to-face -face learning, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, get child care? Do we get a teenager to come to our house and, you know, while they're doing their digital schooling during the day, do we get pods? Um, there's a lot of talk right now with parents that are trying to get these micro pods in place. Um, some parents that are fortunate enough can have their kids in private school. Um, but again, it's a complete scramble. We're two weeks out from school mm -hmm. and Gwinnett County really, um, I have to say, I don't envy them at all. I think they probably have one of the hardest decisions right now to, to make is to get kids back in school safely and how they're going to do that, as well as all educators across America. Gwinnett County did such a great job offering parents a vote back in June. Right. And um, again in July, which the majority wanted their kids back in person and the the additional parents wanted to have the digital option. Um, when they made that choice back in July, they also said that kids were going to go have to go back with masks. Right. So we were fully right. on board with the mask and, and creating that safe environment for kids. Yeah, that's the problem. The, here's, you know, this is why this is such a dilemma. Okay. There's no good answer. 
That's why. Uh, this isn't about petty politics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this isn't about money. It's not about any of those things. Your state is in trouble. Your county is in trouble. So the superintendent lays out what the problem is. I mean, they want to be back in school also. The president's threatening to pull subsidy, you know, federal subsidies from schools. You know, it's not like they have money to lose. I think we all understand that face-to-face -face instruction is always a preferred model. Of course, that's what school is. But that needs to be done at this time with a pretty good assurance that students and staff will be safe. And we did not feel like that was the case. Now, here's the problem. Uh, you know, we like to take on fights on this show. You don't have a great case against him when it comes to safety because he's got a lot of bad data staring him in the face. Uh, Superintendent J. Alvin Wilbanks, uh, because cases are on the rise. Uh, your governor has been bass backwards in terms of how he was dealing with this from jump. Schools haven't been given a plan. So there is a risk that you send your kids in there. They're going to get sick or some kid's going to make a teacher sick. And then what? How do you deal with that? Well, that is one of the things we're concerned about. We don't want anyone to think that that's not something that we're not concerned about. We're very concerned about kids getting COVID and also teachers getting COVID. But we feel that Gwinnett County in particular spent over a million dollars in safety measures to get these kids um, back in a safe environment. They spent millions of dollars on face masks, mm -hmm. on hand sanitizer, disposable safety wipes. They also took measures to do training for um, the, the janitors of the school. So we feel like they really took all the necessary measures. I think yeah, when but they we look say at no. this thing. They say the money wasn't enough. The cases are counting too fast. You know what? Another big thing is that they can't control turnaround on testing time. So another big X factor, and look, it would be an X factor for you and me either. You know, God forbid we hear that our kid has a case in the pod. Let's say they did do pods or classes or whatever we call them uh, going forward. Now we got to get tested. So you go and I got to get my cha-cha tested or whoever, you know, your kid's names are. You get them tested. One day, four days, seven days, nine days. You know, we're waiting on results. And in that time, what do we do with them? And in that time that we're waiting to hear about some other kid, what are we doing? You know, that's the problem here. You know, the million dollars doesn't get you around that problem. No, it, it doesn't. And I think, you know, your last guest on there, Z, kind of said it best is we don't have any leadership going on in this country of how to get these kids back in school. Yep. Yet you look at it and you have Disneyland is open. Dollywood is open. The grocery stores are open. Uh, the airlines are open. Corporate America is opening up gas stations, what have you. And then we as parents feel like we just got left in the dust and you all just figure it out. Um, mm. you, you know, my my kids were watching the Titanic the other day. And, you know, the scene at the end of the movie where there, there's just a few lifeboats where people are getting on and you watch all the rest of the people on the ship and they're going down with the ship. That's how we feel as parents. You, we just feel like we got left in the dust. And this will be a huge socioeconomic gap for parents because the majority of parents in this country can't afford to have private tutors or private, you know, absolutely um, true schools. We can't we can't afford that. So what is anyone doing? You know, the government bailed out. Um, they did trillions of dollars worth of bail bailouts on Wall Street and they're doing nothing for us parents. And no one's really talking about it. And that's why I do appreciate the, uh, you know, the opportunity to be on your show, yep. just to really be a voice for these parents. Um, the other thing I do want to make really clear, Chris, is 
the parents that want their kids to have in-person learning. We are not in any way, shape or form trying to take away that option that the parents that want the digital option, we are fully supportive of those parents 100%. While we are also very supportive 100% of our teachers, we love our teachers. There are teachers that wanna go back and we recognize that there's teachers that don't wanna go back. And we need to have options for those teachers, mm -hmm. um, whether or not they are, um, you know, we repurpose them, whether or not they're solely digital teachers for the people that wanna digital learn, whether or not they're private tutors for, for um, families, whether or not we repurpose them somehow administratively throughout this system. But um, nobody's helped us. It's just every man for himself, and there's no uh, nothing on a national level that's consistent. I mean, I, I well, there's nothing at all to, for schools. They just keep saying open, uh, you know, which only frustrates parents like you because yeah, you want them open too. The question is how and how do we keep them open? You know, in truth, uh, education's a state issue. Uh, it'd be nice to have federal intervention. You know, the president's yes. picking his spots. One uh, to send people around the country. This would be a nice spot to pick. Kemp has to answer to you for this. Your governor has to answer to you for this. Where are his ideas? I agree. Is he, does he, is he offering up other public spaces, churches, libraries, places they can rent? What are his ideas? Um, they owe you that. And I just wanted people well, to understand, do. Kelly, what you're about and what you're not about. I don't want them to think that this was some ideological thing. It's about practicalities for you and your community. And there are Kelly Williards all over this country. And I appreciate you for coming on to make the case. Good luck to your family. Most Thank importantly, you. good health to your family going forward. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much, Chris. We appreciate it. All right. Be well. You the too. Absolutely. The president tried to get payback on his former lawyer. Did you hear about this? Michael Cohen, right, a controversial figure. This isn't about whether you like him or not. OK, it's about the law. And Cohen had rights. Everybody in this country does. When he didn't do what the government wanted him to do vis-a-vis -vis Trump, he went back to jail when he wasn't supposed to. A judge said that, not me. A whole string of cases this week that blow open some of the most egregious Trump power plays, so many that we came up with a new segment. Fight the abuse of power. Fight the power, fight the abuse of power. It's not the best time. I'll do better, next. Part of this job is to fight back against power for you, specifically abuses of power. Now, here's what we see. Trump's polls, poll numbers are horrible. That's the only thing that's changed. The pandemic has been bad and it has been getting worse for weeks. So the reason he talked about the obvious with masks that you've been told for months and that this pandemic may well get worse, which you've been told for weeks. The only reason he said it this week are those numbers. Why? Because for him, it's not about getting things better for you. It's about getting things better for him. He says he's all about protection of you. I say you need protection from him when it comes to the pandemic. He is leveraging power for himself. Here's the proof. Time and again this week, just this week alone, he's been caught leveraging the power of his office for him. Not unlike what he was impeached for only months ago. Impeached. We have to call it out. But you don't have to take my word for it, okay? This all came down in court. Example one, Michael Cohen. Again, controversial. I'm not arguing to like Michael Cohen. The president's longtime personal attorney is out of prison, rightfully. 
He was initially released to home confinement due to the pandemic, like a lot of prisoners. But then he refused to sign a document. What did the document say? That he would not work on a tell-all book. He didn't understand that. Why did he have to give up his First Amendment right in order to be furloughed? What did the DOJ do? They tossed him back in the lockup. A federal judge said that's retaliation and it violates his First Amendment right. It's a move unlike anything the judge has seen in 21 years as a judge. Again, it's not about Cohen. It's about the law and it's about abuse of power. Meanwhile, the Department of Homeland Security. They came clean about false claims that were made to defend another political power play by this president. DHS admitted in a court filing it was not straight in defending why the agency prevented New Yorkers from taking part in a program to get through airport security faster with options like global entry. Remember this? The Trump administration blocked New York okay, over a state law meant to protect undocumented immigrants. It was retaliatory because they had the power to do it. But just because they had the right didn't make the way they used it right. It was wrong and abusive, and the court said so. Just last night, a federal judge put restrictions on the president's forces in Portland. It took a restraining order to tell federal officers that journalists and legal observers have a right to do their job in America. Can you believe we're having this fight? And I'm telling you, this president's not done. Trump just sent forces to Seattle. Nobody asked, what is the federal law that they're there for? Remember in Portland, they had to defend the courthouse from what? Graffiti, mostly. Really? That's why you had to tear gas people? That's why you had to strong arm people and break a veteran's hand for graffiti? The mayor doesn't want him there. She says it undermines public safety. Same thing they said in Portland. Why? What's her proof? What's her concern? Next. Federal forces are now on the ground in Seattle. The president talks about going full force into American cities. But for now, we're told that these agents are only, quote, on standby. Either way, they were not asked to come. That's how it's supposed to work. The state leaders are supposed to ask for federal help. That includes Mayor Jenny Durkin of Seattle, who joins us now on primetime. Mayor, good to see you again. Good to see you again, Chris. So much for the summer of love. I mean, this just keeps getting worse and worse. I want to make sure the reporting's right. Is it true that you spoke to the acting DHS Secretary Wolf and that he said, I will tell you before we do anything with troops. And then you found out that troops had in fact been sent. Chris, I spoke, that's exactly right. I spoke to him yesterday. I wanted to make clear that the city of Seattle did not need federal help at this time, that we had been threatened by the president and others that they would send agents here over our objections. He assured me that he did not have any intent to surge agents to Seattle and that he would tell my chief of police, Carmen Best, who you know, and myself if that changed. And then shortly after that, we learned that indeed agents had been sent here, supposedly just on standby. So was he being clever, or do you think he just flat out lied to you? 
I think it's a combination of things. I think number one, he was it was semantics, and number two, I've since learned that he he believes he did not have all the information when he spoke to me. Whatever it is, we have seen that we have to make our judgments about what's going to happen based on what the president threatens, because mm. he makes good on his threats. So he's a cover and guy, I, Wolf. Um, well. You know, look, it all depends. You know, one thing you can can that's consistent about this president is inconsistency. Uh, now, when you went back to Wolf and said, well, you know, now that you kind of owe me because you lied to me about the, the uh, staff surge, the rules of engagement. What are you being told right now about what these federal agents will do and not do? What we're told right now is that these federal agents are just on standby it's because the Federal Protection Service that normally provides protection for the courthouse has been called to Portland, and they will only be called out for a specific threat. Uh, but, but we have to assume that what is happening in Portland could happen here. Which is what? And what's Which is you have seen the introduction of a significant number of federal agents who night after night after night have escalated violence and have had a fight, a running fight on Portland that has created there a public safety risk and has made the city, it's incapable for them to move on and get to the healing they need and do what they need to do to make the important systemic changes that people are demanding in the streets. And in Seattle, we, we wanna make sure that that doesn't happen here. We've done a couple things. Number one, we're gonna demand the insurances, but we're gonna have another policy. We are ready to go into federal court and have a judge order them to have the same restrictions that a federal judge ordered in Portland. Because we want to make sure that what's happening in Portland doesn't happen here, that we don't escalate the violence. What is the response to this? The president says cities like Seattle, lawless. Uh, that chops area is out of control. She can't control it. The, the chief can't. The mayor can't. Uh, the governor's a joke. If they just asked for my help, I'd come in there with a thousand guys, thousand, and I'd help it. I'd clear it all up for them. What's your response? I trust my chief of police, Carmen Best, to know more about what we need for public safety in Seattle than I trust Donald Trump. Um, she is a national leader. We talk regularly. And the president has also said that he's targeting cities led by Democratic mayors. And I think that's absolute too. He is leveraging his power, just as you said before, for his own purposes. Cities do need his help, and we've needed his help. We needed his help for COVID. We needed him to leverage the power of the federal government to get us testing, to get us the need we, what we needed in cities to fight this disease. But instead, we're going the wrong way in America. Instead of giving us the help he needs, he wants to set in federal forces and federal agents to escalate tensions. Not only do cities not need it, America doesn't need it. This is one of the most dangerous escalations. I was a federal prosecutor. I know how important it is for federal law enforcement to work with local law enforcement. As a chief federal law enforcement officer, as U.S. attorney, I know that that's an important relationship. I've never seen anything like this in my career, where federal agents are sent in, not even not with the cooperation of local law enforcement, but over their objection. It's unprecedented. And it's the wrong way to go. The, the fabric of America is being shredded before our eyes, Chris, and it worries me greatly. This is the stuff of autocrats. And we're going to have to see if the institutions of this society and the will of people in these jurisdictions is enough to fight it back. We'll see. Mayor Durkin, thank you uh, for coming on the show. Good luck going forward. Thanks. Thank you. 
All right, time to take a big breath and remember that there are good people doing good things. Superheroes, in fact. Guess what we have tonight? Captain America, actor Chris Evans, wading into the world of politics, but with a small P. P for people. Not running for anything. Uh, he's running from a system that doesn't give us enough information. He wants to help arm voters like you with facts and allow you access to power to make judgments for yourself and understand things. Make way for the captain. Damn, he's handsome. Next. <laughs> now, I love everything about this. I'm going to introduce you to an idea that I wish I had thought of. It's exactly what we need uh, right now. And somebody who you know very, very well. You know Chris Evans. You know him as Captain America and a great actor in a lot of other roles in a career that's getting stronger and stronger. But I want to remind you of what he did recently that I think is phenomenal. Remember six-year-old Bridger Walker saved his four-year-old sister from a dog attack this month and how we just love what he was about because of what he did, because it was natural in him. And it reminds us of what we can do for one another, right? He underwent surgery, 90 stitches to his face. His aunt shared the story online and noted she tagged Avengers stars and said he's a big fan. Now, that was a beautiful thing. But for Iron Man, the Hulk, Spider-Man to all reach out, to me, that's what we are at our best. Captain America sent this to this kid and he looked at it like he was living a dream. Watch this. You're a hero. What you did was so brave, so selfless. Your sister is so lucky to have you as a big brother. Your parents must be so proud of you. I'm going to track down your address and I'm going to send you an authentic Captain America shield because, pal, you deserve it. Keep being the man you are. We need people like you. He will never forget that. And for all the right reasons, sitting there as old Captain America get up on. Now, Evans, I am not objective on. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with Marvel. When I was sick, he took the time to send me a video. And I'll tell you what, it helped buoy my spirits. He didn't have to do it. He did it. And I appreciate him for it. But I appreciate him even more for something else he did for you. He's founder of a new nonpartisan political website. Uh, and you have to hear about it. It's called A Starting Point. OK, and you go online and you'll see it. Thank you very much for what you did for me, brother. And thank you for what you did with all of us with A Starting Point. Oh, absolutely, man. It was an honor sending you a video. I'm a big fan. No, it's really, it meant, it meant a lot to me. I was very low. And what you did for that kid warmed my heart in a way uh, that hasn't happened for a long time. What a beautiful use of your influence. Good for uh, you. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's an honor to be able to shine a light on that little guy. What a hero. But, you know, look, it's, it's us at our best. You know, a kid, innocent, doing what they're supposed to do in the moment if they're at their best. And then guys like you with influence, embracing that, heroizing it. That's the recipe for stronger fabric. So one of the things we deal with all the time that's a problem is how are people supposed to know what the hell is being thrown at them? Uh, the terms and the numbers and the phrases and the this and the sound bites. So you see this, you want to research something yourself one day and you're like, there's too much information. How am I supposed to get through all this? You come up with a starting point. It was launched on July 14th. How was this the answer to what you encountered? Well, I don't know if it's the answer, but it can certainly help. You know, I think the goal was to try and demystify some of the political landscape. You know, I think a lot of people are curious about politics, but, but are 
unsure where the way in is. You know, I think uh, I think it's a daunting it's a daunting environment, and some people just turn off. And I think we need participation. The only way of functioning democracy can operate is with with engagement. So how does this work? How do I use it? Uh, well, there's there's three sections to it. The first section is called starting points, common uh, common questions with succinct answers from a from a spectrum of opinions. Then there's uh, daily points, the second section, which is just 60, 60 second videos on on anything that a politician wants to discuss. And then the third section is counterpoints, which is kind of a structured, focused debate between two elected officials around any issue they choose. And the way you set it up originally, you asked them the questions and uh, we're hoping they would answer early on. You have all these funny anecdotes about how they thought it was a spoof because what is, you know, what is Chris Evans doing asking me these questions? It must be a thing. And uh, how do you get people to buy in? But you started to get traction. Uh, What kind of population you have on there now and what's it like in terms of bipartisanship? Uh, I think we got at least at least 170 elected officials and our bipartisanship is pretty strong. I mean, that that was the challenge initially trying to get people who didn't know me and didn't know the mechanism, didn't know what we were trying to do to trust us. So, so that was certainly an uphill battle. But again, it had a snowball effect. Every time we went to D.C. and every time someone left an interview and said, hey, that wasn't so bad, we'd say, please tell everybody. And, and slowly but surely, you know, our, our list of uh, contributors every time we visited just grew and grew. Now, are you going to keep doing the interviews or what is your hope for the platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of our main goals being a self-funded organization is that we want to be involved in the process. We want to make sure one of our main tenants is to be objective. One of our main concerns is that a lot of people, as they read information online, question, you know, what's the source? What's the bias? What's the agenda? So so to, to stay true to, to this objectivity, to this transparency, uh, I, I think we have to stay involved and, and, and kind of guide the ship. I like that there's no likes, no dislikes, no comments. Yeah. Uh, that makes it very different already. Uh, so yeah. barriers to entry. Uh, first one is, you know, uh, a starting point as an acronym, ASP, ASP, uh, the word, you know, uh, belies an Egyptian viper like a cobra. And certainly yeah. politics can be like that. And people are like, I don't trust any of these people. Uh, they're just going to lie. What do you say to the people who say, I can't believe, I can't trust? Well, you may not be able to believe or trust, but that doesn't change the fact that they're in, they're in office. You know, they have power. They're, they're, they're voting on policy that affects your life. So to let distrust be the thing that creates disinterest will hurt you in the long run. So, so I'm not going to say that, that government is everything you want it to be all the time, but it's, it's your civic duty to be engaged. And without that participation, you know, the, the, the analogy I use is if you, if you have a remote control and you only put one battery in, it doesn't work a little bit. It doesn't work at all. You know, so so a functioning democracy needs participation in order for 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 an effective government to run. How do you check what the politicians put out there on the videos? Sure. Well, the first section, starting point, is the only one that we actually do fact checking on. Second section, daily points and counterpoints, is uh, incumbent upon them to be honest, as they would in any other social media platform. The first section, starting points, is what we consider a political dictionary, ostensibly. Uh, and, and that information we outsource to a company called Countable. They do our fact checking for us. Um, the uh, other one will be personally because it's you. Uh, they'll say uh, and forget the, the whole actor thing doesn't work for me. The oh, you're an actor is stick to acting. I don't believe that about any profession. You're as competent as you make yourself. You make the case. People will weigh it like anything else. Um, and look, as you put uh, in one of your answers to this question, or can there be issues downstream? Yeah, you got to sell movies. You got to sell tickets. Uh, and that's a risk like everybody takes. But in terms of how you want them to see your personal politics and how they do or don't fit in on this platform, what do you want them to know? 
Well, then my goal in this is objectivity. My goal in this is about trying to provide information. It's almost an effort to try and return politics to people. I think people are bloodhounds now for being uh, lied to by omission, being only shown one set of facts. And I think if you trust people and say, listen, this is all the information. Here is a spectrum of opinion. Where do you lie? I think we bend towards goodness. And I think right now we're just living in a time of really unprecedented conjecture. You know, the Internet is responsible for this proliferation of disinformation. So anything to try and combat that by getting information directly from the source in a fair, balanced way where everyone gets their own bite at the apple uh, can only be a good thing in my opinion. Your problem's going to be too handsome. I see you grew the beard. You're trying to hide the face. It doesn't work. Well, you know You can't do my job looking like you. (laughs) Listen, uh, you're a beautiful guy. You did a a very nice thing for me. You did a much more important thing for that kid. And what you put together with a starting point is the exact kind of tool of populism, letting people figure out things for themselves from the people in power. It is the perfect recipe. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you're using your influence to promote it. You always have a platform here to do exactly that. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Chris Evans. The new site is online at astartingpoint.com. Be good, brother. We'll be right back. Take care, pal. Look at the time. Thank you for watching CNN Tonight with the upgrade. Laura Coates in for D-Lemon right now. Chris Evans and Chris Cuomo in one night, man. Looked like my son. Well, I I didn't know how to put it, but no, he didn't, Chris Cuomo. No, he didn't. He seems like a really nice guy, and what he's done is so important. And I'm going to go back and watch all the movies again now, now that I have a newfound appreciation for all that he's doing. Want to know a secret? What? I'll tell lean you. in, though. Tell me. Lean in this way. I'll tell you two secrets. Just between us, though, right? Yep. Yeah. Just just, just you. Right. No, one, no one's here. No one's so listening. It's just two, you and me. Two things. That guy has zero Fugazi factor. He is exactly who he seems on television. He reached out to me when I was low. He didn't have to. Uh, he uh, let people know what he was doing about this months ago. And he made it exactly what he said it would be, this uh, a starting point, this uh, information clearinghouse with politicians. What he did for that kid, and I'll tell you the second secret, the Avenger people, they actually do good things for people all the time. Mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth, um, the guy who's the Hulk, um, Iron Man, um, Robert Downey Jr., they do nice things for people all the time because of how much they mean within the Marvel lore. Uh, and I didn't know that. And it's, uh, it's an impressive thing. So I was happy to showcase this platform because it's good for all of us. People like us, especially you, you know, someone who's forensic, analytical, you only benefit from more information hitting the masses. Absolutely. And, you know, on that point, you know, I have a seven year old son and he is interested in comic books. He's interested in all the Marvel, interested in all of it. And I was not somebody who grew up with it. But watching him see the heroism, watching him see it, my daughter's into it, too. Now she's six. And so I love that I'll be able to tell them about what they're doing and other facets. It makes mommy look cooler that I even know that it's happening, frankly. And I will try to interweave the the phrase zero Fugazi factor at some point during the evening. I don't know if your kids are watching, but I I must say that Captain America told me uh, before the interview, Laura Coates is on tonight instead of Don Lemon. There's no one better and smarter than she. You know, that's what he said. You know, I I don't take sides. You know, I think I owe you some money, Chris. I don't know what, but I got to give you something. That's really nice of you to say. Even if it's a lie, I love it. I love it. I'm going to use it as a capture. Zero for gazing. Zero Zero for gazing. You know, 
It puts a different spin on zero Fs, doesn't it? Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Have a Chris good night. Cuomo, have a great weekend. This you too. Is- Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.